doing well. Awesome. Yep, we're just picking up where we left off. Awesome, call me back later. You guys, we are hopping back into the story of Moses as found in the book of Exodus for part two. Welcome to another episode of Bible Stories with me, Brianda. Brianda. And obviously joining me, we got Wheezy back. Hi, everybody. Oof. It is a hot, cold Jesus world out there. Let me tell you guys something, okay? <laughs> hot, cold? What do you mean? It is a time, honey. First of all, I'm outside today, and I just see so many little, like, Jesus-y stuff. Like, I saw a nun. We never What is Jesus-y stuff? We never see nuns. You know what I mean? Like, who knows where they live? Then I saw a sign that talked about, um, actually, let me read it to you guys. I thought it was a great sign. It Ooh. says, and I quote, my drug of choice is the love I get from Jesus. Just kidding. It's wine. I was like, oh my God, that's me. Love. Then a woman comes up to me on the train. And she's like, hey, sorry to bother you. It was a black girl. So I'm like, oh, maybe she listens to horrible decisions. And she's like, um, I j I I'm at the Rock Church and I just wanted to give you something and let you know we're a great church and you should come by. And I now see the <laughs> prayer of salvation. Let me read it to you all. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I confess that you are my Lord and Savior. Ooh, amen. I know and believe that you died on the cross for me. I don't know that. And rose again three days later. 72 hours. <laughs> Thank you for saving me, healing me, and making my life brand new. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. That was lovely. I received that for you. Okay. <laughs> Well, you take it, girl. I'll take it. Listen, I've told, I told the listeners this. I, maybe or, or, I've, I've DM'd some people. Listen, Wheezy, from episode one to now, I just see some changes. They're subtle. Wheezy, you're still Wheezy. My, my boobies are still out. I don't know what she's talking about, mm -mm. you guys. It's something inexplicable. I can't put my finger on it. Explicit. You heard what she said? No, something I did not explicable. say explicit. You know what? Let's get back to the story. Actually, before we hop into stories, That's we're going to do questions. We are. And I, I, I received a ton of comments saying they liked the questions that we had with Ed in last week. We spent a little bit more time with the questions. And I did it. I did like that, too. Yeah. So what do we got? I sent you over now some stuff. Are the dirty hands in your Bible with Brianda picture symbolic of anything? Ha! Oh, yeah. oh, I love that question. It was me. I was the dirty one. <laughs> it's okay. Well, to be fair, it's you and Alex. <laughs> Both of you guys have dirty hands in the photo. So uh, long story long, I am actually not a fan of people explaining like the the like the symbolism behind like their art. I don't like it in music. I don't like it in whatever. Like I, it's just it, for me. It like neuters my the way I receive something. Like, I, oh, it's a little confusing. So I won't tell you what it means exactly. But what I will say is that uh, the reason why I I wanted to have Wheezy and Alex on the cover was because I wanted to commemorate this amazing new venture we're doing. I mean. These two people like are investing in me. You know what I'm saying? Like, who can say that? Like that. So I wanted to make sure that you guys were a part of the cover, even if it's as small as some hands. And that that I'll tell you that. I won't tell you exactly why. It's up to interpretation, however you feel. People have DM'd me saying they think it's like, well, first of all, my sister thinks it's like 
hell like satan like my mom my, my mom and my sister were like oh i hate that take the hands off Aww. but um some people had some other things actually leave in the comments below on youtube or wherever what you guys think the the dirt on the hands holding the phone in the cover art means to you that'd be kind of interesting i think it was really a cute idea in the moment she did bring um soil you guys i brought a bag of soil for alex the had shoot. to take off his rolex uh-huh uh real rich real rich it really was <laughs> now um your story into christianity people want to know how it started have you told this story yet i feel like you did uh you I, got high one. you saw god right <laughs> all right well okay i i i won't dive too deep i think i talked about it briefly on episode one i also spoke about it a little bit on horrible decisions as well as my episode of chatty broads if you guys want to like get more in depth on it but to sum it up I I just was tired of, you know, feeling sad all the time. I was going through a really tough time in my career and just emotionally and in my like romantic life and stuff. And I mean, as most people like in your early 20s, mid 20s, you're like you get I feel like that's when you get your first bat of like an existential crisis. And um, I'm allergic to eggs. You're allergic to eggs. Yes, so. Existential. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I wanted to, I was just tired. I was tired. I was tired of feeling sorry for myself. And I was in such a desperate state and I was, oh God, if I were really going to get dark and I don't want to get too dark, I'm going to keep it light. Please do girl. I'm having a day over here. I know. You um, done seen Jesus try to throw himself at me already. I love it. Good. Oh, please send him my way. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I was feeling, um, just really depressed and I was looking for meaning anywhere. I was at a point, of, I was in a really desperate state and unfortunately it led me to do uh, psychedelics. Um, but I actually am a huge proponent of alternative medicine, psychedelics as an alternative medicine. And uh, I, I don't know, I heard my calling on acid, but I did the acid so that I could, you know, um, I don't know, escape as for I'll be honest, it was a little bit of escapism, but I ended up finding something ooh, deeply transformative and um, uh, positively impactful in my life. There we go. I'm so grateful. And now we got a podcast. Yeah. So it's time to hop into the story. It's very much time. All right, guys, let's hop into the story of Moses part two. So where we left off in the story, we left off with Moses at the burning bush and he was giving, you know, God, all these excuses. He was giving. Okay. That's what he was giving. Honey. Just he mm -hmm. was sitting there like, God, uh -uh, I cannot come into work today. Okay. No. <laughs> listen, he, I mean, listen, could you imagine being told by God that you were going to be the person to lead a a hue a human race out of slave captivity out of egypt and i mean he was just filled with self-doubt and and uh uh fear and that's where we sort of left off in in the story of moses as found in the book of exodus so i wanted to hop into the dialogue that continues between moses and the lord so after all of these excuses, God says, you know what, buddy? What if I, what, what if I showed you 
just how miraculous I can be. So you can see it with your own eyes. Maybe you'll stop doubting. So the first thing that God does is, hey, pick up that staff of yours. Moses had a staff. Drop it to the ground. He does that. Moses drops it to the ground and the staff turns into a snake. Moses gets so scared. Moses is like, oh my God, is that a snake? And then God goes, all right, now pick it back up. Pick it up by the tail. Picks it up by the tail and it turns back into a staff. Even after that, Moses is like, nah, man, but what if, you know, but what if I really am not the guy? God goes, okay, fine. Put your hand inside your cloak and then take it out. Moses puts his hand in his cloak, takes it out, and it has a, he has leprosy all over his arm. He starts freaking out. He's like, what is going on? And God goes, all right, put your hand back inside your cloak and then take it out. And then it was gone. I mean, what is going on? That, that freaks Moses out a little bit. And even then, Moses is like, oh, gosh, my, I don't know. I'm not an eloquent speaker. Like, I don't know. And listen, at this point, God is like, all right, you're annoying me. The flames start burning. <laughs> Let me go to scripture to find it for you. So uh, Exodus chapter seven, verses one to four. Then the Lord said to Moses, see, I've made you like God to Pharaoh and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. You are to say everything I command you and your brother Aaron is to tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go out of this country. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And though I multiply my signs and wonders in Egypt, he will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and with mighty acts of judgment, I will bring out my divisions, my people, the Israelites. So uh, in that verse, God is basically saying, listen, use all these signs that I gave you and show them that you can do this and you'll be Gucci. So, oh, how could I forget the last one? So we had the staff turning into a snake, back into a staff, the leprosy hand. And then the final sign that God showed Moses as a way to kind of, you know, like pump him up. Come on, you got this. I'm, I'm on your side. The last thing was he turned the Nile into blood. Major, these glasses, let me remove these. They're like affecting the way I see the script. Let's go to scripture. Exodus chapter four, verses, uh, verse 21. The Lord said to Moses, when you return to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders I have given you the power to do, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. God purposefully hardens Pharaoh's heart for a reason. And this is like a, a little uh, moment, a little example of how, you know, sometimes other, uh, a God shows his ways that in um, God will purposefully make Pharaoh's heart hard. Why? God uses people as mouthpieces to get us to show up for ourselves. So Moses rallies the troops. He starts with the elders. He shows the elders that he can change the staff to, to snake. He shows them all the powers that he has. And the elders are like, okay, great, good, we got you. So he already has at least like a small troop of support when he gets back to Egypt. So now Moses and Aaron are both in Egypt and they have the support of the elders because they've showed them the signs and uh, the elders are all on board. But... Moses and Aaron tell the Pharaoh to let the Israelites go. And the Pharaoh laughs in their faces. They're like, what God? Your God wants me to let these people go. Ha! No way. He, uh, uh, Exodus chapter five, verse four. 
The king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their labor? Get back to your work. Chapter five, verse eight. They are lazy. That is why they cry out. Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Make them work harder for the people so that they can keep working and pay no attention to lies. That's what the Pharaoh says. So despite God sending Moses and Aaron, his brother, out to tell the Pharaoh, please let the Israelites go. This makes the Pharaoh work his slaves, the uh, Hebrew slaves, even harder. And at this point, Moses returns to the Lord like, okay, the plan is not working. I feel so bad. He's, he's making them work even harder. Scripture. Chapter 5, verse 22, Moses returns to the Lord and says, Why, Lord, you have brought trouble onto these people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to speak to Pharaoh in your name, he has brought trouble on these people. And you have not rescued your people at all. And the Lord said to him, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh because of my mighty hand. He will let them go. Ooh, and God is about to get real spicy. All right. So at this point, Moses, Moses and Aaron are Moses is 80. His brother is 83. And God brings out the big guns. He's about to hit Egypt with 10 major plagues. And it's about to get wild. The 10 plagues that God puts over Egypt are in order. He turns the Nile River into blood and all the animals and all the fishies that were in the Nile, they all like die and it ends up smelling the whole, the whole country of Egypt. It smelled like a stink. Yes, exactly. Like a that. Yeah, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, exactly. Like a stink, should I say? Don't, please. Okay. Not the show. This isn't horrible. But the second plague, he, he, he ends up flooding the whole, all of Egypt with frogs, a bunch of frogs and toads and stuff. And I know this may seem a little weird and a little funny, but back then, actually, frogs were super sacred to Egyptians. So, like, God could have sent, like, a bunch of tigers their way and, like, whatever, right? He chose frogs because they weren't allowed to kill frogs or harm them. And the frogs were everywhere. And every single time a, a plague would occur, the Pharaoh would be like, all right, fine, I'll let him go. And then flip-flop. So then God would have to hit him with another plague. The third plague was a plague of lice or gnats and mosquitoes. And then, you know, in between each plague, Moses sees that this isn't just affecting Pharaoh and his officials and Egyptians. This is also affecting some of the, the Hebrew people. And Moses goes, oh, come on, God, are you serious? Like, what's going on, man? You're, I mean, and uh, I mean, aside from the fact that the more that these plagues happen, Moses is kind of like his belief and his confidence in God is actually getting stronger because he's like, oh, no, our Lord means what he says. He's about that life. And the fourth plague the plague of flies. Yes, like dog flies. Okay. The fifth plague, moraine, which is like like um, pestilence that he, that would really like affect the the flock and like cattle. So here we got food uh, d diminishing. The next plague, we've got the plague of boils and blains. So sores and a bunch of skin infections. They got a bunch of herpes all over their bodies is essentially what's going on. And again, even after this, the Pharaoh 
still goes, I will not let these Hebrews go. So God hits them with another plague, the plague of hail. So when it starts hailing in Egypt, so on and so forth, as you can imagine, it's like the flip-flop continues up, up until the next plague, plague of locusts, grasshoppers. The ninth plague, plague of darkness. There, But the only thing that uh, uh, God does do is that he doesn't bring darkness over his people but he does bring darkness over the rest of Egypt, which kind of foreshadows what happens during the Passover. Stick around, because we talk about the Passover in a couple minutes. And then lastly, ooh, the plague of all plagues. It gives me even chills talking about this. Ooh, ooh. The death of every firstborn. God makes sure that everyone, every firstborn, in Egypt, dies, including the Pharaoh's firstborn. Now, now here's this is a, an important part to pause on. So, what the Lord does is that He gives the Hebrew people an opportunity to avoid the destroyer, the destroyer that will end up killing all the firstborn, all the firstborns in Egypt. And he says, each Hebrew home is to kill a lamb and use the blood of a lamb and paint it over their doorposts outside. So one above, one to the left, one to the right, one at the bottom. So when the destroyer goes past their homes, the destroyer will pass over those houses and go to the next. Oh, like, pa yes, honey, Passover. That's where they get it from. Uh -huh. I'm a high holiday Jew. That's how I know. I, I, do you celebrate Passover with your family? Whatever Rosh Hashanah is, Passover, Hanukkah, the high holidays. Hey. There we go. That's what I'm talking and about. And I do it high. Um, <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you smoke weed? Do I yes, smoke you, weed? Yes, you do, yes, you Does a bear shapoopy <laughs> in the woods? So you guys have obviously heard about, I mean, maybe it's not obvious, but the Passover is a very famous Jewish holiday that God orders for his people to celebrate. He ordered it? Hell yeah. Okay. Like a takeout. Uh, you know what? There's food involved. Unleavened bread. Challah. Challah. <laughs> Challah. So uh, let's hop into scripture. Uh, chapter 12, verse 14. This is a day to commemorate for the generations to come. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. For seven days, you are to eat bread with no yeast, unleavened bread, the festival of unleavened bread. Uh, and the sacred assembly will be on the first and the seventh day of that Passover week. And you are not to work on those days. Mm. The Lord was very specific about those days. Those days were to be uh, sacred holy days where there would be no work. The only work that would be done were people cooking for their families for this holiday. That's cute. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it ends up being one of the commandments, which we're also going to dive into this episode. I love condiments. What they got? <laughs> oh, my God. I hate you. It's <laughs> usually the 10 condiments. <laughs> okay. 
So after the Passover and after the, the, the last plague, the Pharaoh goes, okay, fine. You guys can leave. Take all your animals too. Just go. Leave this, leave this country. Fine. You won. You won. Go. So they hastily pack up their things and they go to leave. Mind you, this is a good time to pause and just like take into account the Hebrew people were slaves in Egypt for over 400 years. And so the exodus commences. But I'll also add that Moses packed up the bones of Joseph in order to take with him. Ha ha, the covenant is being fulfilled. Just because Joseph died there, there's also a scripture in Genesis, uh, a verse where they say, my bones are to be buried in the Holy Land. And Moses is executing that like the, the servant to the Lord, the good servant to the Lord that he is. So guess what? Moses and in turn his brother Aaron, because his brother Aaron's helping out with the communication and stuff, they are in charge of leading like 3 million, so some historians say, Hebrews out of Egypt. And they start. And as they begin... They've made it, they've made a good chunk way into the wilderness. God goes, oh, we're not going the regular degular way. Uh-uh, because the Pharaoh may change his mind. We're going to take you this way towards the Red Sea. And guess what? That trifling Pharaoh changes his mind again. Let's go to scripture. He goes, chap Exodus chapter 14, verse five. We, what have we done? The Pharaoh says, we have let the Israelites go. Now we've lost all of our services. So the Pharaoh rounds up his troops and he has a way bigger army with chariots and weapons. And he goes after the Hebrew, the Hebrew people and Moses right after he lets them go. The Israelites end up seeing the Egyptians charging their way from a distance and they become so scared. They're like, Moses, what the heck? What are we going to do? Like, now, okay, great. We are, are we going to die here? Is this what the plan was? And uh, 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 the Israelites are basically grumbling and complaining like, what's going on? What do we do? So, I mean, when I read this story, when anyone reads this story in Exodus, it like, it's, it's the most cinematic moment. Imagine millions of Hebrew people and Moses seeing what God, the miracle that God's about to do. All of a sudden, God splits the Red Sea in half and dries the bottom of that sea. I'm only laughing, you guys, because Brianna said, in half. <laughs> but just so you guys, could you imagine that image? No. And it's the, I mean, it's the only way that they would have survived because the Egyptians were charging at him at top speed. So then the Israelites being led by Moses go through the Red Sea. I mean, you guys know Moses with his staff splitting the Red Sea and they go, go, uh, they, they go charge forward. And as they're charging forward, the Israelites come behind him. And guess what God does? Because God is powerful and God is almighty. 
God ends up merging the oceans, drowning the Egyptians and the Pharaoh too. Woo! The Israelites <laughs> see this and they go, Wow. Give it up for the Lord. Give it up for the Lord. And he really did that. Moses said not to worry. The Lord got them and the Lord came through like he always does. All right, guys. So that moment at the Red Sea was major. Like, could you imagine the confidence that all of these people and Moses and Aaron had? Well, guess what? That confidence evaporated two months later because <laughs> the Israelites are hungry and they are grumbling and they are complaining every 20 seconds. Could you imagine Moses? I mean, Moses is hungry too, but because he's a leader, he can't be like complaining and moaning. She said they're complaining every 20 seconds. That's exactly what happened. I mean, look, at. let's go to the scripture. This is what some of the Israelites were saying. Exodus chapter 16, verse 3. If only we had died by the Lord's hands in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve. Oh, ungrateful. This reminds me of people, or not people, you know, just uh, uh, even actually, yeah, people of faith, even people in the church are guilty of this too, I'll have you know where they need constant validation of external things in order to uh, in order to believe, in order to have faith, in order to practice gratitude. They need to have like good things happen to them all the time. Brings me back to the story of Joseph. Um, sorry, not Joseph. Brings me back to the story of Job, like how, why good people suffer. Anyways, if you guys haven't seen the episode of Job, go catch it on YouTube. It's great, if I do say so myself. So... Moses is super duper mad and he goes to God and he goes, listen, what do I do? The people are hungry. Just give me a sign, anything. Exodus 17, verse four, Moses cried out to the Lord. What am I to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. God goes, listen, strike the, strike the rock, strike this rock over here. And the rock turns to water. Here we have water for all of these people to, to, to drink. And then he also makes bread out of rock. Who can do that? Who can do that other than our Lord? I'll tell you what I can do. What? Now, if it's bread and it's old, I can turn it into a rock. <laughs> like stale bread? Yeah. Listen, you want to know what's so funny, though, about this part? Is that God said, listen, we'll give them enough food for X amount, but they're not allowed to store it. They're not allowed to do that. Just trust me. This was a way for God to test these, to test the Israelites, to see if they'll, just because God has something up his sleeves in a couple chapters. I'm just trying to feel things out for a minute. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Some Israelites, of course, fail the test because that's what humans do, right? They start storing it, but they haven't eaten in days and months. So they start storing up the, the bread. And guess what? The next day, the, the bread ends up having maggots and stuff. That's what happens when you don't listen to apparently. They end up naming this town where the water rock and the bread rock, they end up naming them Masa and Mariba. Masa meaning testing. And Mariba quarreling because the Israelites were quarreling with Moses. Kind of cool. Also, masa, masa in Spanish is like a masa, like dough. I guess that's where we get it from. Ah, etymology. So now 
there's a little story here, which is actually a pretty major story, a battle that happens with the Amalekites where Moses enlists his road dog, his homie, Joshua. Joshua, there's actually a book after Joshua. Joshua ends up taking people to the promised land. We'll get into that in part three. But he enlists Joshua to lead his army, train him, because we're about to battle the Amalekites and it's about to get ugly. Because, you know, the Israelites and Moses, and let's call him Moses and the gang, Moses and his team, at this point, they have been in the wilderness for months, you know, venturing off into, you know, enemy territory. So at this battle, Moses is actually, he's like around like 100 years old, like between 80 and 100 years old. He's older. He ends up going up to a hill so he could oversee everything while Joshua uh, gets to work. And every time Moses brings his hand up, the Israelites are winning. Anytime he brings his arm down, the Amalekites are winning. So could you imagine? It's just like a bunch of that. I mean, after days of keeping his hand up, Moses' arms are getting tired. But Aaron holds his arms up, and eventually the Israelites win. And this is just another notch, another uh, uh, depiction of Israelites uh, uh, um, winning. Not, not even that, of God winning, of God protecting his people despite adversarial circumstances. Around this time, remember when I told you guys in episode uh, 10, part one of Moses' story, that Moses marries uh, a woman from Midian. Um, her name was Zipporah. Her father's name was Jethro, and he was a, a major priest from Midian. Well, turns out they weren't too far from Midian after the battle with the Am Amalekites. Amalekites, Amalekites, quite, quite, quite. Yo no sé lo que estoy diciendo ahora, pero tengo calor y me estoy volviendo loquita. <laughs> um, ignore that. So at this point, Jethro shows up like, what up? Uh, what up, son-in-law? What's good? He sees that he's he actually did what he set out to do. He sees what Moses has done and he is so proud of him. I mean, could you, do you remember? Do you remember Moses at the burning bush compared to this Moses delivering a, an entire race of people out of slavery, out of captivity, leading people in battles and winning? I mean, Jethro was so impressed and Moses shares with him everything that the Lord has told him. And, you know, I want to make a note here because it was actually kind of important. Um, and maybe you guys can read it. I don't want to spend too much time on it. But uh, in chapter 18, verses 17 through 23, Jethro asks Moses, like, hey, so how have you been keeping up, you know? For the first time, you see, like, someone asking Moses, like, how he's doing outside of his responsibilities, just like as a homie, as a person, like, how do you keep up with this? And Moses tells him, you know, it's really hard. Like, sometimes I feel like I'm going to break because he's, he has to like, he's dealing with complaining Israelites. And you know what I'm saying? Like, how does he do it? So Jethro gives him some advice and he's like, listen, you got to delegate some of this work. There's no way that you're going to be able to get these people to the promised land 
by doing everything yourself. And dude, that reminds me of being a podcaster, or like doing anything, even you, Weezy, you, you have this big company, this, I mean, this, you have a legit, a company now, like, you know, as much as you want to control everything and do everything yourself at the expense of what your no, spirit, I mean, it's something I learned just in TV and podcasting. Like, I think you know, Mandy and I have tried to bogart a lot of responsibilities, right? Like she only wanted to do editing for a while. I only wanted to do merge. Like we were just holding a lock on it. But what I realized, the larger you get, you really can't do things alone. And as we've seen in recent events with other podcasters, I think <laughs> we really have learned that like you have to make sure you are giving people their flowers in helping you. And guiding you. And there are so many moving pieces. There's no one success story. I don't believe that. Yes. Uh, and here's the thing. No one successful that you know, like, any, name someone successful. It doesn't matter. Bill Gates, whatever. Elon Musk. They have a team. And they're constantly, like, referring to their team. Like, they could not have done this alone. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, if you're, if you're uh, uh, motivated by your own ego, you're going to get burned. Mm -hmm. at the end i mean major podcasting drama alert drama news that that can be seen here like if you lead with your ego that's a the kiss of death for any company for any brand for any invention you know you don't you can't do it alone and that jethro tells moses this <laughs> in chapter uh 18 of the book of exodus if you guys want to dive into that one that's a really great monologue um that jethro gives moses i would definitely suggest you guys reading that a little more um, oh wait, oh, but also it's an example of how God uses people as a mouthpiece. I mean, at this point, Moses has been having legit conversations with the Lord. So as you can imagine, like if I, I don't know, if I was Moses and Jethro was telling me this, I'd be like, okay, we're good. God could have told me this, but no, 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 no. In this case, God was speaking through Jethro, you know, I don't know. Sometimes God uses other people. And if you sharpen your, your kind of like your, that internal compass, that discernment, you'll know who and what to listen to. And you'll know what to, you know, what to toss out, what to keep. God can do that. I mean, I'm a Christian. Of course, I'm a believer. Take that how you will. All right. We're winding down, guys. And Moses and the gang have made it to the foot of Mount Sinai. Now, at this point... Jethro is left, you know, with his with his tribe. Uh, it's been around three months or so of venturing in the wilderness and stuff. And the Lord tells Moses, I'm going to need you to prepare. Because in, in a couple days, it's about to get real, real scary for them, right? It's about to get real is what I want to say. Exodus chapter 19, verse 9. The Lord said to Moses, I am going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. Oof. Ooh. This part of the book always gives me chills. But the Lord ends up telling Moses, Listen, we need to consecrate the people. We need to make sure that they're good because I'm about to come and it's about to be dramatic. 
Okay. They need to wash themselves. They need to abstain from sex. They wash need to up. not. Yep, yep, yep. Y'all nasty. Come correct. Exactly. Like they need to prepare themselves because the Ten Commandments are about to start after Moses tells the people, listen, this is what we got to do. X, Y, Z. Prepare yourselves because it's about to go crazy. Dun, dun, dun. Thunder. Lightning. Clouds. Trumpets blasting. Our Lord has arrived. And that is where I'm going to pause part two of the story of Moses. But stay tuned next week because we're about to close out the book of Exodus and it is going to be iconic. We about to exit from Exodus, y'all. Listen. Oh, Weezy, I would love to hear your thoughts on the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not. It's ten and it's I don't even want to give them to them. No, I'm going to get it. Hold on. Kill. Yes, that's one of them. Steal. Mm-hmm. Lie. Yes. Eat gluttony. No. Adultery. Adultery. Don't be a hell. No idols. Worship God. No okay, idols. Like, don't that. worship other people oh, or whatever. Okay. I was about to say. No, no. You already said no lying. Um, don't no, fuck in the butt. Sure. No cup. That's, I think that that's a part of the like adultery stuff. Mm. Um, there's, um, 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 covet your neighbor's stuff, wife, whatever. Don't jealous. Don't be jealous. You can't do your neighbor's wife. No, Wheezy. I know you're in deep trouble. <laughs> but, what, but what if they don't live across, like how close to No, you? no, 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 no. It doesn't matter proximity. Okay. okay. Thou shall not covet thy neighbor. But he said, touch your neighbor. If I can't touch my neighbor. <laughs> oh, you just give me heartburn. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's God. Like wrap it up, wrap it up. Oh my God. Ow, my theta. <laughs> Moral of the story is God wants us to rest. God wants us to rest, to have days to take it easy. It's an opportunity for us to trust that God has it covered even while we rest, even while we are still. The Israelites had been slaves all their lives with no days off, not even for their animals, dude. The way they were forced to work day in, day out, no holidays, no weekends, no days off by a man that pretended to be God, Mm. the Pharaoh. Mm. Do you remember back when Moses and Aaron came to tell the Pharaoh, you guys got to release the Israelites. It only made the Pharaoh make them work even harder. It kind of reminds me of how like even modern day, like capitalism, it's like, we're always told that in order to be successful, in order to be, to, to have status, in order to, 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 to be important, you need to work harder than the next person. Like, Especially on Twitter, that's all I see is like, no days off. I wake up at 4 a.m. and I like get to work. Like that's all we see constantly, constantly. I feel oh, like I'm, so nuts. I feel like I'm inundated with work, work, work. And here we have a, a, a father who actually tells you, hey, working is fine, but I actually want to command you to chill out. 
it kind of like neutralizes it neutralizes us sometimes we think that we can play god and those rest days allow us to be kind of human you know what i'm saying actually human real prosperity and wealth comes from a life that fulfills you and god reveals that to us every day while false gods and disillusioned people display the opposite Pharaoh commanded both Egyptians and Israelites to work endlessly, while God ordered celebrations in days of no work. Remember the Passover, the first and seventh day, absolutely no work? That's something that God commands. Now, God knows that humans yearn to work and to earn things to provide for themselves and for their families. God knows that. God understands that. But in God's eyes, we are in his kingdom. What a gift, you know, we receive his gift every day just by being here. Gosh, and you really see that when you, when you practice gratitude, like when you got days off, what do you do? Sometimes you think, sometimes you spend time with yourself in deep meditation. We discussed this in the last episode, but I think that's why having those rest days are so important. It's a way, it's a sacred day for us to honor his goodness. Even while we rest, God has it covered because God has already done it. It's already been done. There's nothing you or I can do about it. We are good. God will provide. So put your uniform away for this moment. God wants us to rest. So why don't we rest in him? Hey, Father. Oh, I love you too. He loves you too. Yes, next week is the series finale on Moses, and I cannot wait. We're talking about commandments. I know, I know. I'm telling them I know like five. Uh, and you've broken like seven. <laughs> All right, guys, see you next week. Anyways, no, I haven't broken any.